Hello and welcome to Young and Sober, the podcast where we discuss what it means to get sober under the age of 30 and stay sober. If you're sober, sober curious or just curious, you've come to the right place. Any discussion heard here is the experience of the individual and should not be taken as a stance of AA as a whole. Welcome to yet another episode. I'm Alex and this week Josh and I will be chatting about anger and resentment. (laughs) Josh, how are you? Not too resentful, which is a good start, I guess. <laughs> How are you? I can't say the same. <laughs> I can't say the same. It's been an interesting week and I've definitely, it's so funny because I was on a meeting this morning and it's a here and now meeting where the chair usually shares about what's going on for them here and now. But it's um, the group conscience is that if somebody pulls out at the last minute, rather than putting it on somebody, we just do the daily reflection. Um and my chair pulled out at the last minute this morning and we went to the daily reflection and it was about anger and resentment and I was just like oh my goodness and I don't think I'd realized quite how angry I've been this week until mm. I read the daily reflection and actually I'm going to read it because I feel like it will be helpful to give listeners some context if you don't have the book the daily reflections um I would highly recommend it I don't read them every day but at one point in my recovery I did and I probably will start again um but it's so helpful just to like for me just give me like a thinking point or a starting point for my meditation or my prayers um anyway so today 16th of April anger a dubious luxury if we were to live we had to be free of anger the grouch and the brainstorm were not for us they may be the dubious luxury of normal men but for alcoholics, these things are poison. And that's from the big book, page 66. Dubious luxury. How often have I remembered these words? It's not just anger that's best left to non-alcoholics. I built a list including justifiable resentment, self-pity, judgmentalism, self-righteousness, false pride, and false humility. I'm always surprised to read the actual quote. So well have the principles of the program been drummed into me that I keep thinking all of these defects are listed too. Thank God I can't afford them or I surely would indulge in them. Oh, ouch. (sighs) Yeah, it's a tall order. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Do you know what? The one that gets me, well, two things, the two things that get me are Mm self-righteousness and false humility. False humility. Because I feel like, I can often feel like because I'm quite hard on myself that I'm humble whereas actually being hard on myself is still in the realm of self-obsession because I'm still thinking about myself more than I'm thinking about anything else um and yeah that 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 hurts but in a good in a good way that means it's it's gonna trigger growth you know or trigger reflection but oh, oh painful yeah, mine is um, that justifiable resentment because at the end of the day, sometimes I do get wronged um, and that is just part of life. I've wronged people, people have wronged me. Um, sometimes situations don't go my way. Um, <laughs> but then to sit in that resentment and you know, that continual state of anger um, based on, yeah, maybe something bad that happened to me um, and, and that someone else is um, doing, um, it doesn't make it right for me to keep going there. And and at the end of the day, I'm just doing it to myself. Do you know when I f- first read this, um, 
I both wasn't wearing my glasses and I'm dyslexic. Um, so that last word of the first uh, bit in the italics, poison, um, I misread it as prison, uh, <laughs> which is like only one letter off. And do you know what? It, it made the same amount of sense, you know, because if I'm trapped in that, it's like being trapped in a prison cell, you know, and I can't get out and I'm like shaking at the bars. Why am I feeling this way? They did this to me. And, and yeah, and I feel absolutely trapped in it. Um, and I have to try and get out of it eventually, you know. Um, so much to talk about on it. Um, I'll kick off about prayer. Like, it's kind of where I'm at the moment. Um, I have a couple of people stroke situations that, that I'm maybe not harboring such resentment towards, um, but I've harboured a lot of upset towards. Um, and struggling with like a lack of control um and acceptance um and yeah praying for these people oh my goodness um my sponsor said okay pray for the person pray for the person they're dating pray for them together as a couple and I thought oh my god um and and I, I floods of tears when he said it to me and my my old sponsor from Singapore um, and I did it and I started doing it. And then in a few days later, no, I don't agree. I don't accept this <laughs> to God, you know, like literally shouting and swearing. Uh, but if it be your will, you know, um, and a lot of my resentment and things come from an exertion of my will against what is my higher powers will in my life, you know. <laughs> oh, it's so interesting hearing you talk about that. Well, one of my friends, Polly, a recovery friend, um, who I feel has one of the most admirable relationships with a higher power of anyone that I know. I just love watching the way she navigates life with her higher power. It really inspires me. Um, and there's a couple of suggestions she's made to me. One was years ago when I was working in a, in a different place. And there was this one person that I just really couldn't stand, just like really, really, really couldn't stand. And I felt a lot of resentment and anger towards this one person quite a lot of the time. Um, and Polly suggested that I write a list, an A to Z list of things that I was grateful for about this person. <laughs> so literally starting with A, then B, then C, then D. So obviously 26 things about this person that I was yeah. grateful for. And I, I could do it. I mean, it's obviously in terms of what the letters were, that made it a little bit difficult, but it, it, yeah I could do it and then the other thing that she always says to me is pray for them to have all the things that you want for yourself yeah um which is so powerful because quite recently I had a difficult situation with some friends come up where I was kind of pushed out or felt pushed out um and for whatever reason this these friendships have, have come to an end Mm. Um, and I felt very hurt, but I did also feel very angry and I didn't realize how angry I felt until, um, somebody kind of asked me, so what do you want to happen? What do you want out of this situation? And I'm like, I want them to know what they did was wrong. And they're like, right. So you're angry. You're angry mm. about what's happened. And I didn't even recognize it as anger. Like a lot of the time when I feel sad, I can, I can recognize it or when I feel, you know, anxious or whatever but I find anger really for me really difficult to identify because I'm not comfortable with it I'm comfortable with sadness I'm comfortable with anxiety I'm not comfortable with anger I think because of the way that I was brought up anger is something that I find really unpleasant and 
just I, I just hate the thought of being angry I absolutely hate it of me or anyone else being angry with me um and yeah so I was just thinking about what I what I wanted for myself and what I wanted for myself was to feel loved to feel accepted to feel whole to feel seen and heard and understood and just to pray for them to have all of those things um and then funnily enough in my head I was like but if they have all of those things then they'll start being nice to me <laughs> <laughs> back to our well <laughs> back to me back to me it's all about me um yeah but the the initial the initial thing was it was just really lovely it was really helpful and it also reminded me what I want for myself which is actually just love and acceptance and being heard and seen and you know there's they're simple but complicated at the same time those things aren't they because it's just not always going to happen because the world's just not like that they're not always going to see and understand us in the way that we want to be seen and understood um yeah yeah and you were talking about um it kind of sticking with you the anger mm. or the resentment what are the ways other than prayer that you kind of try to to curb it um I guess particularly focusing on on my program right um I, I was saying to you before we before we started recording that um a sponsee has kind of like landed in my lap um and yeah that that was not something I'd aimed for this week it's not something that I was looking for at all um but yeah the opportunity to work with another alcoholics come up um and yeah I was went to a meeting and then took him for dinner um we had a really long dinner and we just talked about program stuff and that and there's three of us there and afterwards um I realized that I'd not thought about my situation that I'm having issues with at the moment the whole time being sat there um it not popped into my mind once um and yeah just a total like distraction from from anything like the negativity going on but then from there not being like okay I'll go back to it being like, okay, these are the things that I have in my life right now. You know, these are the things that that are real in my life. Um, these relationships with fellows and that not chasing this fantasy and stuff. Um, but I do think that, like, at, at its beginning point, it is, yeah, God stuff, high power stuff. I um, I'll tell you about a situation before with um, uh, a family member in law with my ex, um, her mum. Real issues there real problems and very difficult lockdown um and yeah being advised to pray for her for 90 days um and I really struggled with it and I just got brought back to the big book and um I, I read a prayer um there's three prayers in step four which is you've got your fear prayer your sex prayer and your anger prayer um and the anger prayer says this is a sick man how can I be helpful to him God save me from being angry thy will be done and it's that simple I'm, I'm not asking for anything for myself. I'm not asking for myself to have acceptance or anything like that. It's just how can I be helpful to them? So I'm praying for Tilly's mum. How can I be helpful to her? Um, and the first few times I'm very rigid. I'm very upset doing it. And then it starts to get a little bit more normal. And I can put other things into the prayer if I need to, like beef it up a little bit. And then the lockdown finished and we moved out. Um as soon as we could right as soon as the restrictions allowed us we moved out um and I'm praying I'm doing the same prayer I'm on like day 70 out of 90 by this point um and I get an answer I really believe that I do get answers through prayer 
And the answer I got was, this is my partner's first time living away from her family. I can look after her how her mother cannot now. That's how I can be of service to the mother. And like, that is not me. That's not my doing. That's not me uh, conjuring something up to make myself feel better. It came from like continuing a connection and trying to grow spiritually uh, from a negative situation, you know? It's amazing. And um, I listened to the speaker tapes of, of a fellow, um, Howard E. He does a big book study. And he really focuses on the wording of the prayer. Um, and it says, God save me from being angry. And the, the importance of that is it doesn't say God save me from getting angry. I think it's really important like that I allow myself as a sober person to go through the emotional spectrum. You know, at the end of the day, things are going to piss me off. People are going to piss me off. I'm going to get angry if the tube's delayed or if I get cut up in traffic. I'm going to have that initial feeling of anger. And it's not telling me I can't feel that, you know, um, but it's telling me I can't be angry. I can't have a continued state of being angry because that's where the danger lies. Um, and the importance of of noticing that difference is, yeah, it's huge to me because, yeah, I, I will feel anger, will get angry. And then it's what do I do with it next? Yeah, um, 100%. Yeah. And try not to live being angry is the aim, not trying not to get angry because I, yeah. I, I don't know how one can live a life like that. I don't think it's possible. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think it's been such a huge thing in my recovery to recognize that I don't necessarily choose the feelings that come up. Mm -hmm. But what I do choose is what I do with them. Yes. And I, you know, typical alcoholic, I hate big feelings. I hate them, whether they're, you know, happiness, sadness, whatever. If it's too big, I, I almost don't know what to do with it. Yeah. Um, and anger is one that I really am very hard on myself with. Like if I feel angry, I almost feel like I deserve to be punished for feeling angry. Mm -hmm. um like it's not an emotion that I'm allowed to have and I think that that having that compassion for myself in the sense of if I feel angry because of a situation it's it's not necessarily in my control but anger comes up like that's mm. that's not in my control but I can choose not to act out on that anger I can choose not to you know throw my toys out the pram and argue or say something horrible or you know gossip about somebody or whatever um I did find myself a bit this week um saying things that weren't particularly kind about somebody to another person and that made me feel sick like I feel sick yeah. now having done it um like that's not in line with who I want to be and who you know my recovery what my recovery means for me is is not being that person um and we were again talking a little bit before and I'd, I'd been saying that the last couple of months I've really been feeling like just, just not steady on my feet, just, just quite un, <laughs> unstable for, for want of a better word. Um, I've definitely been finding myself getting resentful much more easily than I was for a while. And I have felt unhappy and I felt uncertain in every aspect of the word. Um, and I've been praying on it a lot and I um, have started going to a new meeting and somebody in this meeting was sharing that they wanted to take someone through the steps. And I was like, oh my God, me, take, <laughs> me, take me through the steps again. Um, and so that's what I'm going to do. And I feel really grateful that 
the anger has been there because it's shown me that I need to do some different need to do something differently yeah you know? it's that whole age old thing of insanity which is doing the same thing again and again and expecting a different result and if I want something to change I need to change something mm. um and I think anger for me is a real indication that something is not in line um not kind of anger in terms of if something really really wrong has happened then and you know anger is natural but I've been getting angry about things that just don't matter and I know that when I'm really well and then when I'm really strong in my recovery stuff like that doesn't bother me um mm. like stupid little stuff like my boyfriend was around and <laughs> and he was like sniffing really loudly and I was like stop sniffing like stop sniffing um and like he never he's never barefoot he always wears flip-flops and I was just like looking at his flip-flops like in disgust and just being really angry that he was wearing flip-flops and just in my head being like why the fuck do you have to wear flip-flops like like just that is just an indication that my head is not where it's meant to be Hmm. stuff like that is annoying me there is something something and we can tell can't we we can tell in sobriety I don't know for for me you know I ride a motorbike and sitting in traffic like and things like that how how quickly I'm going to react when I'm on my motorbike uh, is a really clear indicator where my head's at as well I uh I I I you talked about not acting out and things like that and I'm so glad that I can pause you know, before that initial act out or that initial shout or something. And a couple of weeks ago, there's tube strikes. And whenever there's a tube strike, there are a lot more people on the road and a lot of people maybe who don't normally drive in central London, I don't know. And, um, oh God, I was fuming. I was really having a difficult ride through central London to get to a meeting. And um, I, I get alongside this this Mercedes Benz or whatever, and, and he could have just moved a little bit so that I could go past and he didn't move. And I got alongside him and I see him fumbling around like the buttons on his uh, door. I'm like, gone, open a window, gone, do it. Because if you shout to me, I'm going to shout louder, come on. And I was waiting for him to, to open a window. We're going to start this confrontation. I wasn't going to start the confrontation, but I was certainly going to react to it, you know. <laughs> and he wasn't looking for the button for his window. He's looking for the button to fold in his wing mirror so that I could go past him. Oh. oh my goodness and I'm so glad that I hadn't done that initial shout you know um and and yeah it, and I have to that's where I knew okay my head is not where it's meant to be because I'm assuming that people are going to have something negative for me and I'm assuming that I'm going to get into a, a thing with someone and actually that I'm just not being patient enough you know and yeah. but I can tell you know in my sobriety I can tell the other thing you know the reading talked about self-pity um I'm not so good at what is the line, you know, sadness, a legitimate sadness that I should go through the process of feeling and then self-pity. Um, I don't know when maybe I'm I'm enjoying the sadness too much as well, uh, which I guess is a self-pity thing as well, like getting a bit of attention out of it, getting a bit of like care from people, you know, getting... Um, or like, I don't know, I, I put on like a little bit of a soppy Instagram story the other day. And yeah, a little bit was like living in self-pity and that. But then I got really lovely responses from it. And then it set up, well, it set up the coffee that where I met this guy, you know, the sponsee and and things like that. And it's like, okay, where is the line? And I just, I think it's case by case. But do you, 
Are you good with the line between sadness and self-pity? Do you know your indicators? Um, sometimes. I, do, I, th- I think like everything in, in recovery, everything in life, like we don't always get it right. And I think it's okay yeah. that we don't always get it right. I think that I have, because of my, I have mental health diagnoses as well. And I think because of those, I'm very careful not to get into the just lying in my bed, mm. hiding, hiding from the world, feeling sorry for myself, going round and round and round and round and round in my head um, and doing nothing about it. And I think, thank God for recovery, because recovery teaches me that action is the first step, like action, 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 whether I feel like doing something or not, doing something because I know it's the right thing to do slash it's the thing that's going to make me feel better in the long run is the right thing to do. I've been in a real depression the last few months and it's been really difficult, but, you know, I'm still going to meetings. I'm still getting up. I'm still washing. I'm still feeding myself relatively well. I'm still walking my dog, like all of those things. And I think if I was earlier in my recovery or if I was still drinking, I would definitely be falling into the self-piteous acts of just sitting by myself and feeling miserable and just not being able to get out of the cycle and just thinking that the world has done me wrong, you know, and that I deserve to be miserable or whatever. I think for me, the self-pity comes in when more when I'm most when I'm tired there's that whole hungry angry thing right oh it's so true I'm much more likely to feel sorry for myself if I've had a bad night's sleep that's just standard um or a few bad night's sleep because I do sometimes struggle with insomnia um I am much more likely to go into self-pity if I spend an entire day without talking to another human being especially Mm -hmm. another alcoholic yeah um I'm much more likely to go into self-pity if I haven't eaten which happens way more on it often than it should. Yeah. Um, and, you know, if I've not properly processed a resentment, again, I will go into self-pity in the sense of like that, that kind of justified, self-justified, like this person has done this thing to me, how dare they? They need to realize that they've done something wrong, like I shared earlier. Um, so I think for me, recognizing that, generally self-pity starts when I'm just but with myself on my own by myself only answering to myself um and the way to kind of curb that is to nine times out of ten is to talk to another alcoholic because that just helps me to reframe it whether that's in a meeting whether that's calling my sponsor whether that's calling a friend whether that's calling a newcomer Mm. just just sharing it with another human being um But I think also, like you said, sadness, sometimes anger, those feelings are okay because they can sometimes be in response to something that it makes sense to feel those things, you know? Um, But I think the thing for me that is not okay is when I just sit in it and don't take any action. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I think self-pity for me is just sitting in the feeling without taking any action I think that's what self-pity looks like for me yeah and I think that what I have to remember as well is that action isn't like suddenly feeling amazing the action might be I don't know trying to get a cry on or doing a writing through it which is actually quite painful and quite sad feeling but still it's working on it it's 
yeah, I think I have to remember that working on it doesn't mean like suddenly going about the world really, really positive, forgetting a, forgetting about it. You know what I mean? I, I made the quotation fingers because like actually that's like not feeling it and it bottling things up. I, it will come back to me, you know. Um, I wanted to read one thing. So it's, uh, it's, it's a few readings that like go about quite often. Um, and yeah, I was in a meeting yesterday. I heard it again. And I was like, oh, here we go again. It's the right time to hear it. Um, and it's that damn acceptance reading <laughs> uh, on page 417, you know, and the stories in a big book from acceptance is the answer, was the answer. And I'll just read the paragraph. I won't go further, but it says, and acceptance is the answer to all my problems today. When I'm disturbed, it is because I find some person, place, thing or situation, some fact of my life unacceptable to me. And I can find no serenity until I accept that person, place, thing or situation as being exactly the way it is supposed to be at this moment. Nothing, absolutely nothing happens in God's world by mistake. Until I could accept my alcoholism, I could not stay sober. Unless I accept life completely on life's terms, I cannot be happy. I need to concentrate not so much on what needs to be changed in the world as on what needs to be changed in me and my attitudes. And a lot of my anger, resentment, self-pity and things comes from things which I need to try and let go of the, the control you know, um, especially what's going on with me at the moment. Um, it's all things that I've kind of like ha had a powerlessness over. Um, most recently, um, two friends of mine from my former career got married um, and I was kind of like quite close to them. Uh, I was really quite close to them. They're the only people I've seen since I moved back from Singapore and the lockdown ended and stuff uh, from the job. They're the only people that I've really stayed in touch with. Um, I was there at the beginning of the, before their relationship. And I was like his confidant and his feelings towards her. I used to dog sit for her and look after her house if she's traveling and stuff. So yeah, we were really quite close. Um, and I got to make amends to them properly with, with the ninth step and everything. Um, and yeah, they got married and they didn't tell me about it. And when we we're trying to set up like meetings some point soon, he completely hid the fact he was getting married for me. Um, and I felt so upset. And, and wronged and that justifiable anger is coming in and all that um and yeah it's kind of just accepting that okay firstly this is now in the past it's happened and I cannot change the past you know the past has happened it's set in history um for me it's uh, it's completely unchangeable and then also like okay what can I change okay I'm not going to chase you know I'm not going to chase someone for their friendship and that I'm not going to chase someone. if he messages me then I'll I'll decide how I go forward but with love and tolerance um but yeah I, I can accept that I'm not going to chase people um but yeah in terms of like being wronged and that it's just my attitude that that needs to change I certainly can't persuade someone to change your attitude at me um and yeah this this reading uh I don't know it's so important it was a reminder of powerlessness and that and yeah it says um and I could not accept Sorry, until I could accept my alcoholism, I could not stay sober. And that's completely true, you know. Until I really accepted, like, step one, you know, I am powerless over alcohol. My life's unmanageable. That's when I managed to get some relief from, from obsession and from craving and, and from being, yeah, completely ran, my life ran over by alcohol. 
Um, and yeah, until I can accept that I can't change their wedding and I can't change that wasn't invited to their wedding, that's when I move on, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, God, control is such a big factor, isn't it? Hmm. It's, it's that assumption that I know what's best for me, but I also know what's best for everyone else. Yes. <laughs> and if the world just ran the way that Alex wanted the world to run, everything would be fine. It's complete bollocks. Like, yeah. it's not true. But when I really get into it, when I really get into my head, I can convince myself that that's true. Yeah. I really can. I can convince myself that I could run things better than somebody else. And it's really interesting. Actually, I've had a very up and down week at work. And there's definitely and I'm only recognizing it now right there's definitely been times this week when I've just been like oh why don't they just do it my way and like, yeah. I'm not I'm not a manager I'm not manager for very good reason I would be a terrible manager right now like not to say that I'd be a good manager at some point in the future maybe I will be but right now no couldn't do it so why do I think I have the answers mm-hmm. better than my superiors. Like, why do I? Because I, I really, really don't. And they've been doing it a lot longer than I have. And yeah, just because I don't necessarily agree with doing things the way that somebody doesn't, doesn't mean they're wrong. It just means that it's not the way that I would do it. And I have to be okay with that. Um, and yeah, to recognize that it's not always up to me and it, sh- it shouldn't be, it shouldn't always be up to me. Thank God it isn't always up to me. Um, but yeah, really, really trying to hand that over. And what I'd like to do going into next week is to go in, not with false humility, but with genuine humility and to just acknowledge like, I'm not in charge of this. Thank God I'm not in charge of this. I'm just going to keep my head down and do my job and do what they tell me to do because chances are they actually know a little bit better than I do. Um, And yeah, that's not always the case, but I think in certain circumstances especially this particular work circumstance for me it's it's about yeah just taking a step back and recognizing that I don't have all the answers and it's not up to me and not to get stuck in that kind of justifiable or what I think is justifiable resentment or justifiable anger towards people Um, yeah yeah because it's dangerous it's dangerous it just it just makes me miserable you know we talked about the poison there's those two quotes one which is um resentment is like having someone live rent free in your head and then the other one is resentment is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die and that's a hundred percent it the only person feeling any pain here is me yeah They, they don't care they're they're just going about their day living their lives and i'm the one that's stuck in my own head with this issue um and I can choose to let it go. And for me, and it sounds like for you, and we've talked about it quite a lot, the way to do that is prayer and meditation. Yeah. And, and, and to kind of listen for an answer, not just ask. Yeah. And I guess it's it comes down a lot of the time to our most simple and um, often used prayer, you know, the serenity prayer. You know, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I can't change. So the last time I was in work, what I could not change was our, our payment systems were not working. Uh, I, I am a manager, actually, at work. <laughs> what I am not is an IT manager. I'm not an IT manager. I know nothing about computers. I don't know what are the servers, where are the servers, even if they're real things, maybe they're in the cloud. I don't, I don't know anything, right? I don't know anything about computers. 
So what can I not change as the servers? I cannot change the IT, the computer, the payment system not working. You know, what can I change is how do I treat my colleagues when this stressful stuff is going on? Because everyone's stressed, but I'm the only one there with a the program. And I, what can I change is not shouting and swearing down the telephone at the computer company when they're doing a poor job of keeping me up to date throughout the night, you know, what's going on. And wisdom to know the difference, I find that when I take a minute to pause, you know, and I did. I, I, I'm, I'm proud of myself, you know, that this I had a crazy night. Nothing went right, you know. Um, um, I had no, no payment systems from like 10.30, so like two hours, three hours into my shift, the whole way through to the morning. And yeah, there was a moment where I just paused and I breathed and I was like, okay, what is going on here? What can I do? And what can I not do, you know? Um, and I guess I didn't pray, pray, but in that pause, I found my higher power, which which gave me space, you know, to make my next decision, my next right decision. Um, and that was go and eat. <laughs> I realized it was two o'clock in the morning. They, the food had been in the canteen for 15 minutes and I hadn't gone and got myself any food. And I hadn't looked after myself. And there's a minute where, I could, okay, I can just go and eat. I, I can't do anything right now to fix the computers, but I can look after myself, mm. you know? Um, and now that only comes from, A, like a little bit of time under my belt doing stuff, this stuff, you know? Like, I'm, I'm not going to lie, it doesn't come overnight. But secondly, doing it every day, you know? Actually connecting with a higher power every day. Um, I don't think I can pause and find higher power uh, like on that on the spot moment if I don't also do it ri like rigidly regimentally through my normal daily routines um, and yeah before I'd gone to work that day I had prayed and meditated read the daily reflection read another reading from another fellowship and and done my my routine you know um, and I think that's what gives me that ability um, and god I'm not perfect at all uh, but when I do my things right um, I can use my program in my work environment I can use my program in my relationships my family environments my home environment um it is a design for living in all aspects of my life you know um and it's great that I can feel that way it'll probably all go tits again tonight and then I'll get all stressed <laughs> uh, but one day at a time <laughs> yeah and I mean I think that's it really isn't it it's progress not perfection yes practice not perfection and yeah that other thing you said about like it's it's cultivating that relationship it's not just using the relationship when tough gets stuff gets tough like yeah prayer for me has to be a daily practice yes um, meditation should be a daily practice I'm not going to say it is at the moment because that would be a lie mm. um but you know prayer meditation and gratitude like it can be such a small thing. And again, I know when my program is strong, I find little things to be grateful for all day, every day. And, you know, this is not, this is not revelation, revelatory stuff. This is all stuff that we're told from day one. Yeah. Will help us, you know, prayer, meditation, gratitude, getting to a meeting, sharing with another alcoholic mm -hmm. just for today, read that just for today card. Oh my goodness. Although I've given mine away. I think I need to get a new one. Um, but yeah, so I think for me, moving forward, this week is going to look like reading my daily reflections, meditating before work, praying before work, doing my gratitude list at the end of the day, praying yeah. at the end of the day, and trying to get to a meeting every day, because that's just what I need when it's hard. Yeah. That's what I need 
Um, and on that lovely note, what is something that you're grateful for today, Josh? Um, I'm grateful for a particular fellow in my life, which I'll share about really quickly. Um, just before I moved back to England, so this is in what, October 2020, I was so scared. Things had got a little bit more relaxed in Singapore and I knew that everything was going wild here. You know, the COVID cases were really up and I had so much fear in my life. Um, and it had been highlighted to me that one of the things that had happened is that I'd given up all my service commitments because I was moving overseas, right? I mean, suddenly I had all this time to look at the news and I had all this time to worry. Um, and I had a text message off an old timer and he said, I've given this guy your number. He's going to reach out to you. And I was a bit of a cheeky bastard giving my number away, you know. Um, and anyway, so this fellow messaged me. I set up a call with him. And then I said, right, if you want if you want this, you'll meet me at a meeting at 7.30 tomorrow morning. <laughs> um, and he did. And then we had a, a breakfast and stuff like that. And then we met once or twice more. And that was it. You know, I moved to England. Um, but before I moved to England, I knew that I had a friend who's struggling a bit. And he'd never taken someone through the steps. Um, so I set him up with my friend. Um, and fast forward, um, I just had uh, breakfast walking around uh, Holland Park with this guy who's stayed sober. Uh, he was two and a half years yesterday. Um, and he's a flight attendant. So whenever he comes to London, we hook up, we grab what, like a bite to eat. Uh, we grab a meeting if we have time to and things like that. Um, and he's a reminder that um, when things get tough, um, I can find solace and service and helping another alcoholic um, and that I can't control the situation either because I couldn't sponsor him and to have tried to sponsor him and keep him mine and all that uh, when I moved to England wouldn't have been good for either of us mm -hmm. um, I did like the first aid treatment and then I gave him to someone else um, and only beautiful things have happened in his life um, and then he comes and gives a little bit of uh, brightness to mine as well whenever he's in England so yeah I'm really grateful for him um, and yeah I'm, and, and for this program in general you know yeah yeah amazing I think the thing that's standing out to me so much right now is technology I'm so <laughs> for technology oh my goodness like this woman who I've I've agreed to go through the steps with is she's in Scotland right now but she lives in New York hmm. how amazing is it that I can be taken through the steps by someone that lives in New York. Like, how yes. amazing is that? It's incredible. And the fact that we can record this podcast. On yes. And that if I need a meeting, I can go online and find one pretty much any time of day, anywhere in the world, all day, every day. Like, I just, it just blows my mind. And I'm just so grateful for it. I mean, I'm doing two Zoom meetings and one in-person meeting today. And that just, I just, it's amazing. It's absolutely incredible. And just thank God that I can go into this week with a kind of injection of recovery under my belt before I have to go yeah. back and oh, deal with, you know, 16 tiny little humans. I'll second gratitude for technology. I scoffed when you first said it. And I thought <laughs> to myself, I hate it. It's caused all my problems at work last week. Um, but yeah, I, I can find gratitude in any situation. And and yeah, I've learned so much about technology since the pandemic. Um, I didn't even have a laptop before COVID. Like I, I didn't, I stayed away from it as much as possible. And it's given me an opportunity to work. It's given me, um, it's helped me with my degree. Uh, technology helps me stay in touch with fellows from overseas. 
do this podcast, do meetings back in Singapore, and I have an online men's meeting, uh, which brings me so much happiness. So yeah, I'll second your gratitude for for technology, but I have to think about it first. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I'm glad that it inspired you. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you, listeners, so much for joining us. We will be back soon with another episode. Please do like and subscribe. If you have any questions or feedback about what you've heard today, we'd love to hear from you. So send us a message on Instagram at Young and Sober Podcast or email us at youngandsober@outlook.com. That is it from us. We are young and sober.